0: What's up, friends? Welcome back to He's My Girl, episode 3. I first want to thank everyone for all of the love and the support from the first two episodes that launched last week with the announcement of the show. I couldn't be more grateful for every single text message and phone call and DM that I received on Wednesday. You all are truly the best. Which, by the way, yes, for those asking, I plan to release all new episodes on Wednesdays. The messages rooting me on excited for the show overwhelmed me in the best way and it makes me beyond excited to go on this crazy journey with you. For everyone that shared information about the show on social media, thank you too. I'm trying to get as much exposure to the show to create a following so again I thank you. And thank you to Tanner who met me to have a celebratory drink and dinner the night of the launch. I love you so much and I couldn't be happier that you were my first guest. And don't worry friends, Tanner will be back very, very often. Speaking of Tornado Tan, all of you had great responses to Tanner's episode and many of you not only asked for my own coming out story, but what the years were like for me and for most of us growing up gay. I'm here to share a little bit more about myself, and as the title of this episode says, be the most vulnerable I've ever been. I hesitated with sharing this episode, but I feel that if I'm going to really do this show, I want to be as open and honest as I possibly can be. Plus, I know for a fact that the story I'm about to share with you is not a unique story. For many, this was reality, and it's important to share, so let's get into it. Before we get started, let me say a few things. First, my intention for this podcast is to have many light and fun conversations that make you laugh and smile, and others that may be a little more serious and make you take a step back and hear stories from those who have waited years to share them. This episode is the latter. I want to provide a trigger warning for you. There will be unfriendly words used in this podcast episode, and it gets pretty deep. This is, without a doubt, as I said before, the most vulnerable I've ever been in my life. Some things I'm sharing will even be news to my family. I don't think it was until I was in middle school that I even realized I was gay. I think in my heart I always knew I was different, but I don't even think I really knew what gay was until I was in middle school. You have to remember i was in school at a time when the correct use of pronouns wasn't a thing no one dared to have a pride flag pinned to their backpack and i can promise you there was no education on any famous lgbtq people in the classroom it was a very different time than what some of us have today i remember being picked on for being different as young as fourth grade i can't remember what i had for lunch today or how i got to work but I can remember the first and last name of the person and the classroom that I was in during every encounter with a bully. That alone should tell you the impact that these kinds of hurtful words have on someone's life. On the last day of fifth grade, I'll never forget it, I was told by a student in my class that I'd be trash canned every single day in middle school for quote, acting like a girl. I dreaded middle school before even stepping foot onto the campus. The Disney Channel show Lizzie McGuire was a huge hit when I was in middle school. I remember assuming that my middle school would be the same way. I'd have a few of my best friends. We'd all be in the same classes together, sit at lunch together. Things would be great. Well, my friends, things were anything but great. Middle school for me as a gay student were some of the worst years of my life. In sixth grade science, a boy taunted me every single day. Every single day. I remember getting home one day completely distraught, calling my mother in tears because he asked me if I have a boyfriend loud enough for the whole class to hear. Again, I don't even think I really understood why he was asking me, only knowing that it was an insult, not a genuine question, because it was always followed with laughs and giggles from others in the class. That same year, I had a male friend that I had grown close to. I remember being so excited to finally have him as a friend yet definitely realizing in the moment that what I was feeling was more than just friends. That friendship shortly ended when another girl in my grade came to school one morning and stopped me in the hallway to tell me that they had spoke on Instant Messenger the night before. Now, for those Gen Zs listening, iPhones haven't always existed, believe it or not, and we used to have to wait until we got home to sit in front of a computer in order to send a message to a friend. That girl stopped me right before the first bell of the day to tell me that my friend, the friend I was so excited to have, actually thinks I'm too chubby, have a big nose, and act like a girl, and that we just can't be friends anymore. What a great way to start the day. In seventh grade, a group of boys picked on me every day in my English class. Every day, they'd snicker and laugh and say things like, "Steven, you're just so cute. I think I have a crush on you. The teacher did nothing. The only friend who would actively stick up for me was a new girl from California that I had befriended. To this day, I don't think she will ever know how much that meant to me. I often had bad luck with my lunch times, never matching with the friends that were actually civil human beings to me and never once made me feel less than or a joke. Therefore, I found myself more often than not sitting by myself with all eyes on me as if I was someone from the circus. I'll never forget one day sitting at the end of the, quote, popular table, i.e. the cheerleaders and football players from Pop Warner, and one of the football players looking me dead in the eyes, telling me that I couldn't sit at that table because I was gay. I left the cafeteria in tears and finished my lunch in the bathroom. The boys weren't the only ones that made my life a living hell. Every day on the bus ride home, the same girl every day, would ask me, Stephen, why do you act like a girl? Stephen, are you gay? Stephen, you know people talk about you all the time, right? It never stopped. I was constantly harassed and picked on for being gay, and let me just repeat once more, it never stopped. At one point, an attempt to make it stop, I even quote, dated, and I mean, what does that even mean in middle school, right? A girl that said she had a crush on me. Today I'd have to assume she just hadn't been friends or spoken with the majority of my grade. It lasted about a month, and I cringed every time we'd have to hold hands at school. It was nothing against her, she was lovely, it just didn't feel right. I ended the relationship, or whatever it was, with the blame of my grade slipping, to which all of the boys in my grade flooded my AOL instant messenger that night with messages like, we know the real reason is because you're gay. At this point, I was miserable, lonely, angry, I was frustrated, lost, absolutely exhausted from being harassed. Breath. <sighs> At the end of seventh grade, I sat in my mother's kitchen one night right after school, all alone, feeling the lowest I had ever felt and contemplated suicide. The only people that stopped me from making a terrible decision was my family. I truly have the best family I could ever ask for. I remember thinking in that moment, there's not one family member that has ever made you feel how these idiots have at school. Not a cousin, not your uncle and aunt, not a sibling, not a parent. They have never, ever made you feel this way. So there's got to be good people out there, right? Maybe I just haven't met them yet. Not to mention, and I don't mean to toot my on horn, but I'm a good person. I know I have a good heart. I come from a great family. I knew that as low as I was feeling, as lonely as I was, I knew that I didn't deserve the treatment that I was receiving. And for those that may be experiencing those types of heavy and dark thoughts, I promise you, I promise you, you will get through this. Please, please, please dial 988 for help. You know, when I briefly mentioned to my mother what this episode was all about, her first question was, why didn't you tell me? I think in the moment, our biggest fear is that if we, and again, I am speaking for all of those that have experienced these awful moments, and for all of you who've experienced even worse, because yes, believe it or not, there is worse. Our fear is that if we tell a parent, or if we tell a guidance counselor, or whomever we may believe can help, it'll only result in making the bullying worse so I chose to stay quiet. I tried to just live in my own little bubble and not rock the boat to make things any worse than they already were. I remember trying to solve the loneliness by getting into soap operas, like All My Children and General Hospital. I was able to escape my own drama just for a few hours every day by watching the soap characters crazy situations instead. I also remember journaling a lot, trying to get my thoughts and emotions onto paper and out of my head. Little things like this really helped. I went into eighth grade deciding enough was enough. I had my few handful of good friends at school and that was all I needed. Towards the end of eighth grade, we were all enrolling in the high school that was right next door to our middle school. However, I made the decision to transfer to another high school just down the road. I blame my decision on the fact that my dad served as the athletic director at the originally zoned school and that I just didn't want him watching my every move in high school. Sorry, Dad. The real reason? I couldn't imagine four more years with the same kids that made the last three absolute hell. Side note, I actually work in education right now, and have been since 2017, and I remember being terrified, so nervous to enter the middle school classrooms to work with students, and always wondering why. Always. Always. I now know after doing this episode that it's legit PTSD from all of the experience that I had when I was their age. Some of that shit just never goes away. It was around this time in middle school that I remember getting into an argument with my brother and sister one day. They're twins and naturally it used to very much be a game of two against one. I don't remember what was said, I don't even remember what we were fighting about, but I know it led to my mother and I having a very long heart-to-heart conversation on my bed that evening and me coming out to her. Her response was that she loves me no matter what. At the end of the summer, before my freshman year, my parents came to me and told me that I would be attending a week-long summit with other kids from our city. My brother and sister were always active with cheerleading and basketball and football And I think this was their way of trying to help me to find something of my own. The summit was introduced to me as ways to help us all become leaders in our communities and schools. I was only half interested. It being a weekend conference, we were all to share rooms with other kids in the program. It was like four boys per room, two beds. I remember not being crazy about that since I had just finished three years in middle school where I couldn't even be in a cafeteria with another guy without being picked on, let alone share a hotel room with a few that are complete strangers. I remember meeting the roommates in the lobby of the hotel and from the looks of it, everyone seemed fine. After receiving our keys and getting into our rooms, I was unpacking my bag while the other three guys in the room were chatting and getting to know one another. We were all admitting how awkward it was that we had to share a room with other kids that we didn't know, to which one guy replied with, well, as long as none of you are a faggot, I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah. An hour later, I faked sick, walked down to the lobby, called my dad and stepmom to come get me, and came out to them that night. Both responded with, they love me no matter what. I remember being terrified to tell my dad. I actually waited a little longer to do it than I should have because as Tanner and I mentioned in episode two, we've witnessed horrible situations from friends in our circles that have had parents, dads especially, that have completely disowned their children based solely on their sexual orientation or parents that have been well aware of their child being gay and have chosen to just never speak on it. I did not want that kind of relationship with anyone in my life, especially not my parents. Now, I know a lot of this is dark. Seriously, please bear with me. I promise we're almost there. And speaking of, believe it or not, there was some good that came out during this time. I don't remember how exactly, but I ended up meeting a boy who went to another middle school in the area. We started chatting, messaging, hanging out, and eventually ended up in somewhat of a relationship. I remember feeling so happy, so excited, and so giddy around him, feelings that I hadn't felt for many years in general, let alone for another guy. We'd continue to have an on again, off again thing until about junior year of high school, and he ended up being my first everything. As I started my freshman year, I started looking at high school as a clean slate. I was starting at a new school where I barely knew anyone, no signs of any of the bullies that I had dealt with for years. My older cousins had gone to the same school and had great things to say, so I was really hopeful that this was my shot at a much better next few years than what I had experienced prior. I started hanging out with a new crowd, going to the football games, and feeling like I was finally in a better place than where I had been. At some point in my freshman year, I even got invited to my first high school bonfire, And for those of you who remember, MTV's Laguna Beach was like the hot show in high school for me, and Bonfires on the Beach was their normal outing, so this was a big deal. It was at the house of the boyfriend of one of my best friends, and I remember thinking, this is what high school is all about, getting together with your best friends on a Friday night right after the big football game to have a bonfire, After sitting by the fire for a while and talking to everybody, I remember walking into the house to use the bathroom and overhearing my best friend and her man having a conversation to which he asked her, why'd you bring the faggot? There's that word again, friends. Said with such hate that it could send thousands of chills down your spine. My heart immediately broke into 2,000 pieces, not because of what he said, but because my friend didn't say anything. She didn't defend me once. She simply laughed it off and kept flirting her way through the conversation. It was in this moment that I really had enough. Instead of staying silent and allowing this awful behavior to continue, as I did for way too long, I spoke up for myself and had her take me home. I haven't spoken to her since. It was that same day that I decided not to lie about who I was anymore. I came out of the closet and I never looked back. I eventually transferred back to the school that I was originally supposed to go to, the same one my dad worked at, and yes, the same one that had some of those awful students that made fun of me on a daily basis. That was because this time, I was going to campus completely confident of who I was, and believe it or not, I had a completely different experience. I found my group of people that made me feel loved and supported and all the things that I had longed for before. We celebrated prom together and spring break and birthdays. I never faced a problem in high school. I choose to believe that maybe because I was finally out and confident and honest of who I was, the bullies no longer stood a chance. I was able to meet some of my best friends at this school, graduate, and move to South Florida for college, where I believe my life really started to begin. All of what's to follow in my 20s for another episode. As I've said, I promise, I promise, I promise, my episodes for this show will not always be so dark. I hope that Tanner's episode proves that. But I really believe that this episode is important to share. I have to reiterate, the story I shared with you today is not a unique one. This was the reality for many listening, and unfortunately, this is still the reality of many today. But I want the message received today to be one thing. It gets better I mentioned that in episode two, that if there's anything I could go back and tell myself it's that because it does. Today, I'm a happy, healthy 31 year old living in one of the biggest cities in the country. I have had the privilege of picking up my life and starting over multiple times in multiple cities, meeting some of the greatest people I've ever known. I've had the incredible opportunity of falling in love and having my heart broken, learning so much from both of those situations. I've had friends come into my life that did me wrong and use that same voice that I found freshman year of high school to speak up for myself and cut them out. I have the best family that I could ask for. The most incredible parents and step-parents, siblings and step-siblings that are my best friends, their significant others that have welcomed me with open arms. Sorry. An aunt and an uncle that are like my second parents, cousins that are my bonus siblings, an almost 94-year-old grandmother that I speak to on the phone every single day, and so many more great people. I have a job that I love going to. I have my own apartment that's my little sanctuary. I live in a neighborhood that is dedicated to the gay community, full of gay bars and restaurants, gyms and shops, and pride flags featured in many apartment windows and front lawns. I never sit by myself at lunch unless I choose to take myself on a date. <laughs> if someone today asks, Steven, are you gay? Or do you have a boyfriend? It's met with genuine interest and not followed with a laugh. And lastly, no one today asks, Stephen, why do you act like a girl? Instead, they get to listen to my own podcast show titled, He's My Girl. I'm just out here turning lemons into lemonade, my friends. And for those of you that are tuning in and you are still struggling with bullies or a family member that just can't accept who you are or who you love, or if you're someone that is struggling coming to terms with the fact that you are in fact different than the others around you, I'm here for you. I promise to make this show a place where you feel that you belong, help you to smile, and help you to always remember this, life is good and life will get better. Listen, I've said to many people who've reached out this week about my show, if I make it big and this show attracts thousands of people, that's incredible, that's great. But I mean it when I say that if this show even helps one person, I did my job. Now, in an effort to leave you today in a lighter mood, I am going to answer some questions that came to my Instagram page from friends that I don't know too well or people that follow me. I'm going to do a little quick questions around on myself, similar to what I did with Tanner at the end of episode two. Hopefully, this helps you to get to know me a little bit better as we close out this episode, as if this episode hasn't done that already. All right. Question one. What made you start your own show. I got that a lot. And my friends, you need to go do your homework. It's in episode one. It's a very short episode. It's basically a trailer. It's like a three and a half minute episode. Um, but long story short, I got assigned a podcast project about a year ago during my master's program. And since then, it's been in the back of my mind to just do my own. And here we are. Question two, would I ever consider having a co-host on With Me Full Time? The answer is simply yes. I think that's great. Um, There's actually somebody that I already have in mind, but for now, I'm going to kind of just take the lead, take my footing, figure this all out, and then cross that bridge. Question three, have I ever been in love? The answer is yes, I think just once. I've done my fair share of dating, but I think I've only been in love once. The funny thing about love is that you... Think you are until you're out of the situation or the relationship and then you have to ask yourself was it just lust but i love love so yes i have definitely been in love um, New York or Miami was the next question that a lot of people seem to ask when hearing I guess episode two where we were talking about going to different cities. Um, I do frequent both of those often but don't make me pick I love them both equally for different reasons. I manifest one day living in New York full-time and having like a small little condo in Miami Beach that would be the dream. I've actually lived in Miami twice now and my second time there was much more enjoyable and some of my best friends are still there. So yeah Florida you just got to Get it together first and then i'm happy to give you my money for property question five first gay bar was pulse in orlando actually i grew up in the suburbs of orlando so like 20 25 minutes north of downtown orlando and me with my fake ID would go out there with all of my friends from high school it is actually beyond devastating what happened there because it used to be such a great and safe place for all of us to go Question six, do I prefer to be single or in a relationship? Again, I love love, but I have to be honest, I have been single now for a little over like a year and a half, and I have loved my freedom just as much. I'm in a place today where I know exactly what I bring to the table and the type of love that I deserve, and until I find it, I'm not settling. Question seven, last time I cried, I actually had five or six people ask me this. And honestly, if you ask me today, it's the last day, uh, the day that I launched the show. All of the love was incredible. I was completely speechless. And there were a few other questions, but I will save those for another day. I'm going to end it on the question that I plan to ask everyone. And the same question I asked Tanner, which is what is my favorite Britney Spears song? And it's toxic. It always has been, always will be. If you know me or you've gone out with me. It's always my go-to. I request it all the time at the bar. I go crazy if I hear it out. I play it many times at the gym when I'm getting ready to go out. It's just, it never gets old for me. I don't know. And for all of those who came for Tanner and I about the last video, my question to him was, what's your favorite Britney Spears song? He says, Toxic. And then he references the Oops, I Did It Again video with the red spandex outfit. We know we referenced the wrong video. I know she's a flight attendant in the Toxic video. I think we were both just nervous, it was at the end of the interview, and we kind of just went with it. But in our defense, she does wear like a little bit of a black spandex outfit in the Toxic video if you go to the middle of the video. But let's just end on the fact that he chose Toxic, okay? And just like that, my friends, that concludes episode three. My thanks to you, seriously, for allowing me to be so vulnerable. It's definitely not the easiest thing to do, especially not on a mic. All I ask is that you continue to tune in, subscribe, like, comment, give five stars, all the things to give the show some love. You can find He's My Girl on social at He's My Girl podcast and myself at Stephen D. Peters. We'll chat again next week. And until then, thank you for being a part of He's My Girl.